0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Got a good one for you today, as LSU has started spring football. Uh, A lot going on with that. We also have a special guest, Josh Lemoyne, on to help us uh, cover all of that. Uh, Always good to have him back. Uh, Before we get started, just want to remind you folks, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so, at Talking Tigs. And we're also on the... uh, Facebook as the Talking Ticks podcast, and you can find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, before we get going, just want to check in with everybody and uh, see how you guys are doing. Doing great. Another you know another week back at it
1: again, and we've got the very special guest uh, at LSU Truth, Josh Lemoyne, recruiting insider, uh, you know, anal- draft analyst, kind of does everything. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, another great day to be talking LSU football with
2: everybody. Yeah, guys, I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you guys having me, as always.
3: Yep, doing great. I guess we might as well just dive straight into it. Yeah, we had spring football going on the past couple of days, first uh, week of practice. So it was exciting to see the Tigers get back on the fields, a couple of new players in action, as well as the returning stars to see kind of new coaches, new schemes. Uh, Josh, has anything kind of popped out to you that you've seen so far?
2: You know, I uh... – I think the big, big catch really popped out to a lot of people and maybe you guys agree or, you know, you don't, but it seems like the quarterback situation. Um, and it, it always is, you know, the front runner most of the times for that's high school college or pro teams. But, uh, you know, after Joe heads to the NFL, he's probably gonna be the first pick in the draft. And, you know, that's, it's, it's talking to town. It's, is Miles branding going to be, be the guy can, you know, can he give us what Joe gave us, Um uh, or is it one of the, the star freshmen, TJ Finley, Max Johnson, um, you know, Peter Parrish, I'm not really sure what's going on with him yet. There ain't too much information. He hasn't been at the first couple of practices. So that's going to be uh, interesting to follow. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's the number one thing that I've seen on people's minds is, Hey, you know, is miles going to take that step, uh, you know, to, to be the starting quarterback. I mean, can he really carry this team? you know, in the future, uh, we, you know, he's had his chances to win the job numerous times, you know, he, he hasn't came out the winner, but you know, you can look back and it depends how you look at it. Right. I mean, he, he lost a couple of times in a couple of competitions, but he was young. We know physically he needed to gain weight and he has added weight. Um, but yeah, I think I'll let you guys kind of talk about, you know, who, which y'all think is the, the top things that people are mentioning, but, um, if we can, we can get a little bit more into the QB situation. I'd like to get you guys opinions because I think I fall more on the not Brennan side and that really gets some people fired up. (laughs) Oh, really?
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, Uh, I would say my guess is I, I've learned to kind of just go with what coach O says, because I think he, you know, he'll, he'll pretty much shoot (laughs) from the hip as much as he can. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of eluding the fact that, well, for now, it's, you know, it's Miles Brennan's team. He's the guy that's been there for the most three years, and he's been with Steve Insminger for, for three years now. And, you know, it just kind of spoke that, well, it's, you know, it's Brennan's team. But it didn't really give me the feeling that it, you know, it was his for sure going into fall ball. I don't think Coach O's is going to say that yet because, you know, it could be his to lose is basically what he's saying. That's my feel. Right. Yeah. So the, 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 interesting thing, and I'd like
1: to hear, you know, what you think about as far as, you know, the way that you break down talent on film or, you know, watching it mm-hmm. in life or whatever, I've always heard, you know, Miles Brennan has the, the physical talent, you know, like you mentioned yeah. how to gain weight, but he's got the arm talent. He's got a, a big arm. He can, you know, hurl the ball a thousand yards. Um, right. What I've always heard is, you know, well, Miles likes, he, he likes to spend as much time in the duck blind or as much time fishing as much as he does studying film. And it was almost, you know, it was kind of a decision, you know, how, how committed is he to, you know, really leading this team and really being that guy? And that, you know, that's, I'd heard that that was kind of the reason he didn't – he fell short a few times. It seems now, and they at least LSU, the, the program has made a point. Uh, I don't know if they've told him, you know, if they've said, Miles, if, if you're going to be the guy, you got to step up and say it. But he's made a point to say in his interviews, you know, I'm ready to be the leader. I'm ready to take over this team. Um. So I feel like, you know, if if he makes that uh makes that jump and that kind of you know next level of commitment, then mm-hmm. the sky's the limit. You know, Joe, Joe made it a commitment last year to uh to really up his game. And as as you said, you know, famously on this and other podcasts, you know, if LSU got elite quarterback play, we could play with anybody. Well, we did. So right. you know, maybe maybe he's got a little bit of something left in the tank. Um but, you know, what do you see as far as as far as Miles Brennan goes on film or as far as he goes mm-hmm. looking at him from a, you know, does he have the raw talent?
2: Yeah, when you break down the film and when you break down, you have, let's say this, I say film because there isn't that much film on Miles. But what we do have in his high school film, uh, it's he can, like I said, he can spin the ball with anybody. So he has the raw talent. He has the release he, you know, he, he can throw the ball, like you said, a, a million miles, uh, a couple things concern me. You know, that's the high points are that yes, he has arm talent, but as you guys know, there's a lot of kids with arm talent, right? So a couple of things concern me. And one of them is his delivery. He has a sidearm delivery. Okay. So that, that not saying you can't be successful with a sidearm delivery. We've seen a Vince young, you know, we've seen Phillip rivers. We've seen that before. Um, it can work. Vince Young, he was mobile though. He can move out the pocket a little bit and kind of get away with that sidearm delivery. Phillip Rivers, he can't move at all. He's six, four, he's got a rocket arm and he just got away with it. Um, and to this day, he's still successful in the NFL. That's my first concern with miles Brennan. He has a sidearm delivery almost like he throws it like a baseball. So is that going to, will that affect his, his inconsistency, his accuracy? If you look at the one issue that we've seen on film and that we have seen at LSU, He could be inaccurate at times. He could be inconsistent at times. Uh, so I think that sidearm deliveries which spooks people and professionals, when they look at him is that it's hard sometimes to really have that, that delivery and keep it consistent. Look at Joe Burrow's delivery. Look at Drew Brees delivery. It's it's the same thing over and over again, over the top. Um, you know, I'm not saying that miles can't do it. I think that's the number one concern when I look at the film, Tommy, when I really break it down and, and when I'm looking at his mechanics, that's, that's what spooks me at first. And then I move into what you said. Um, everything I heard about the kid and the family that I know is tremendous. Great family, good people. But they also like to hunt and fish, and they like it. I know people who do it with them a lot. So that's, that's the other concern. They're saying all the right things, but you guys know in the SEC, it'll only take a couple of weeks to know if he's actually taking in the film and learning and can he take the next step. Uh, so that's, that's going to be something to watch. Um, I, I believe he can do it. I think he's talented enough to do it. Um, you know, that's, that'd probably be my top two concerns as far as his ability and his skill level. Um, you know, so I don't know what your, what's your guys thoughts on, on that.
3: Yeah, that makes complete sense. I'm not quite the uh, the film expert that you are, but uh, just kind of looking by the odds for the early like Heisman Trophy, Miles Brennan opened it like mm-hmm. plus one thousand. Like I think he was number five in the initial rankings, and now he's yeah. like twelfth or something like that, at like plus three thousand. So maybe that's just kind of the general public sentiment like souring yeah. on him. Uh, maybe not souring, but just kind of exploring other options and kind of thinking that LSU may pivot away from that. If I if I had to take a guess at this point, I would say that he's gonna be the starter for at least through Texas game week two. And maybe if things don't quite go so smoothly in there, then they'll explore some other options and the kind of the cream puff games between that and then the, the heart of the SEC schedule.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The other, the other question that I would have is um you know, this I, I feel like this could be a, a a litmus test for our new scheme and our and you know, Inzminger and then Uh, Somebody we wanted to ask you about as well uh, with Scott Linehan coming in.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: They're not, I I think, I think we can probably all agree. We're not going to be running the exact same offense that we came with Joe, just because, you know, you can't, it's, you're not going to be able to plug and play another Heisman Trophy winner in. And even if, you know, even if they've done it at Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield to Colin Murray is not the, you know, they weren't the exact same player. So I wonder if, you know, are they're going to be? A- I assume they're going to be asking Miles Brennan or whoever's quarterback to do a lot of a lot different things than they asked Joe Burrow to do. What you know, one year ago. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you how do you see that playing out as far as you know? What what do you do? You see expect any changes, or do you kind of you know? Do you think that? The- I guess the question is: Are they going to are they going to build an offense around what the talent they have? Or are they going to say to their to you know? the top quarterbacks that they've got with uh, TJ Finley and Max Johnson coming in and say, all right, mm-hmm. we want one of you needs to, to find a way to be, to elevate yourselves to the level. Cause we're going to run this offense with, with whoever we got.
2: No, I think that's a good question. And that, that's a, that's a good topic to discuss is, uh, but, and that goes into that, to the the, the talent thing again with miles. Um, I think the number one aspect that we overlook about Joe at quarterback was how athletic he was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you always, what we, on all the shows, They always give us the politically correct, like, you know, he's, what do they call like The sneaky athletic, because he's the white guy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Look, throw that out the window. I mean, he's like, I mean, Ryan Clark sometimes will make fun of it. And he'll, he'll say what the sneaky athletic, that means he's a white guy and he can, he's pretty fast. Right. So um, at the end of the day, let's toss all that out. Like Joe is an athlete. Okay. I mean, he, he could have played basketball in D one. He can move. Um, uh, so that is one aspect of it, Tommy, that I, I think that scares me more than anything. When I look at miles and this offense, miles does not move, not even close to as good as Joe burrow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's no wiggle, there's no speed. There's no, I mean, go watch this film, everything I've seen. You can watch this, but I mean, he, he's not outrunning too many people. Okay. He's more like a Phillip rivers, you know, I mean, he's, so then we talk about, can the old line protect him? He has, a, he has a very, very quick release and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he couldn't move. I mean, so he had to improve what he could and that was his, his release. So now when I say he can't move, obviously he, he can move around a little bit and he can do what he has to do, but you guys will notice pretty quick. Once he starts taking numerous snaps that he's not Joe Burrow and he's not going to take off down the sideline and shake a linebacker from Georgia and run 60 yards. It's not mm-hmm. happening. Okay. So we got to, I think that's where you look at uh, that other talent aspect of, of it is well, how do we adjust the offense around him? And I think you'll, you'll see us run the ball more time. I think you'll see us you know, use the three running backs that we have. Cause they're extremely talented. I think we'll run a little bit more. We'll, we'll make it a point to run more um, and and maybe use uh, a chase more and more screens, you know, um, mm-hmm. tight end screens with a, a So I think there's ways to get around miles, not being mobile, but if I look at everything, man, that's the number one thing that spooks me about miles is how many times did Joe get out of trouble and make a play? I mean, yeah. Texas, Georgia, I mean, Clemson, I mean, you just go down a lot. A lot of the Heisman moments were because Joe was an athlete. That's where I think miles is going to have the biggest hurdle. How does he move around? How does he, you know, how does he make space for himself? So especially in today's game, it's all about movement. So, um, you know, that's one, that's, that's the number one that concerns me. And, and even, and, you know, to, even the movement that you're talking
1: about, you know, when everyone talks mm-hmm. about Joe, Biller, Joe Burrow's uh, mobility, you know, they think about the, the, like you said, the run against Georgia or the escape in yep. the pocket, basically th- throwing it on one leg in Oklahoma where he was like throwing it out of bounds back in bounds. And it still, you know, right. that still baffles me. But the, the movement that, that I see or that I saw that impressed me, and Daniel, you know this because we watch all the games together, when, like the thing that got me so much about Joe Burrow was the small movements that he 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 was able to make in the pocket, where he takes yes. half a step up, half a step to the left, mm-hmm. half a step to the right, and it's such a small movement. And if you're not watching for it, you won't notice it. But I think you'll notice that it's not there. You know, if if Miles Brennan doesn't develop that, you'll notice it's not there because that that little movement that he had would save him from sacks all the time. And that would get oh, him. Absolutely. You know, yep. they would be it'd be an, a hand's a hand's length away from being mm-hmm. able to pull him down. And Joe takes half a step up and completes a pass. And it looks like you know it's the easiest thing ever. But that's the kind of stuff that that really I think set him apart as far as movement goes. You know, the flashy stuff is the Heisman moments, the runoff, the you know, scramble around, throw it. But you know, I feel like the um you know, the the grindstone of, of completion after completion, completion came from those little movements that he had yeah.
0: and I, I just wanted to ask one more follow up on this, and then we could, we could probably move on, but uh, based on what you said uh, uh, Tommy about him maybe not having to be Joe Burrow, and what you said, Josh, about us having you know three or, or four capable backs is you know maybe mm-hmm. we don't need him to be Joe Burrow, we just need him to be like a, a Matt Flynn or maybe his own right. version of. Tommy Casanova or something, but right. uh, what do you think about employing You know, plus? He also has a uh, Eric Gilbert coming in. So he's going to have some great weapons uh, in addition to number seven, which we'll get into, but you know, what do you think about them employing this, this, this hot new two back set that's you know starting to get really popular, just using the running backs more to play towards miles
2: strengths. Yeah, no, I think that's what you have to do. I mean, if you really want to compete, you have to, you know, you have to humble yourself and understand who miles is. And, you know, and look, if TJ Finley wins the job, let's say TJ Finley won the job. He's six, 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 seven, 260 pounds. TJ can move, but yeah, he's not outrunning anybody. Okay. So he's a big kid. He's more of like a Jamarcus Russell. So yeah, they, they look at what they have and they realize, okay, we're going to have to make some adjustments. And I think they absolutely will use more running backs. You know, you got, you mentioned a but the, the five-star tight end, we absolutely need, if you see in high school, his high school used him a lot. How I think LSU will on them little short screens and slip screens and uh, you know, up the yeah. seam. So I think that's where you'll see him. It's, it's a run play. This design spread offense. How many, I mean, yeah, Joe was throwing it, but there was a lot of times when that was just an extended run, you know, mm-hmm. to Clyde or to chase or to Jefferson. So yeah, I think we see more of that. I think we see more of those slip screens, the short passes, And we see more of the just typical run the football. I do think LSU is so talented at the running back position and they got some guys, they still got some horses on the offensive line that we might see LSU. Look, we're not going to be old LSU where we line up and smacking them out, but in a certain spread way, we might say, Hey, we can't throw it 55 times, you know, like we did with Joe. So early on in the first three or four weeks, we might see us run the ball more, more of a 60, 40 maybe. And then kind of, see how miles is is doing is he developing then get to more of that you know like we were this year i think we were like 54 percent pass you know uh by season's end somewhere around there
1: yeah i think and i think also that's that's a great point to bring up about eric gilbert and how how uh you know we're gonna see a ton of him you know if all Mm -hmm. indications are correct because you know like you said you can line him up at the slot he can play uh you know a typical tight end position but then you know they they even put him out you know as like a flanker you know, isolated on on one side, and then would let him go one on one against uh you know the cornerback that lined up against him. So, you know, I've I've saw a, a breakdown of of his play where they were comparing him to almost like a like a Calvin Johnson type.
2: Hmm. Yeah, he's, he's he's a special guy. I mean, I think he was the the highest rated tight end in some of the recruiting uh, websites' history. But yeah, I mean, you don't need them the guys to tell you that if you go turn on the on the film that, you know, that's going to be something special for them to use. And I think that's where a guy like Scott Linehan comes into play uh, who was in the NFL for a long time, coach with Calvin Johnson, coach with Randy Moss. I think that's where an NFL guy can, can help a little bit. He knows how to use those special six foot five guys, you know? So I think that's where Scott who worked with a Dez Bryant and Amari Cooper, you know, those guys can say, Hey, uh, you know, I got some ways I can get this guy in space, you know, I can get him in one-on-one. So You know, we can get on Linehan later, but a lot of people weren't a big big supporter of it. I absolutely loved it. He's not the head coach. He's not the OC. So if you can bring a guy in like Scott Linehan to help you on offense, Scott Linehan, who's NFL head. I mean, hey, I'm all for it.
3: Yeah, that's good. And then talking about uh, new players coming in, there's been a lot of strong mm-hmm. rumors about this guy, Jabril Cox, who's a graduate transfer linebacker from North Dakota State University, who they play, for our listeners who don't really know, in the FBS, the lower division, but they absolutely dominate. National champions, I think, like six out of the last seven years or something. <laughs> and a lot of people say that yeah. he's the the best defensive player in the FBS, but he's looking to make a move to a bigger school, FCS, and a lot of people are thinking that he might be coming to LSU uh, Josh, why why is that kind of churning up right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that look. I thought he was going to go pro. I mean, don't look. I'm not going to lie to you. Tech. I I watch those guys play a lot of football, but I do keep up with it a little bit. And I know he was their best guy on defense. Uh, I thought he was going to go pro. I mean, he he was good enough to get picked in the second or third round. He's a, an elite linebacker, and the only reason I say second or third round because he was playing at that level. So sometimes it is tough to get a gauge on. You know, is he really that special? Uh, so um, it's big for LSU. If you look at one weak point for this defense next year, it's linebacker. I mean, oh, yeah, it, it it's just it is a linebacker. I mean, I, I no other way to put it. And the fact that if Coach O can get Cox to come to LSU and give him a little bit of time to go out and recruit again, those that linebacker position and feel, you know, just like he did with some of the Juco guys on the offensive line uh, the first couple of years here, the, that'd be so important and Cox don't have to come in here and be the next Patrick queen, but if he can come in here and, and you know, be a Jacob Phillips, be solid and let the guys around him, the athletes make plays, man, that's going to, you know, that's, it's so huge for LSU in this upcoming season. That would be a big get. And he's a leader. He's a champion. Um, everything about everything you, you, you know, you hear people talk about him. i talked to a couple of coaches that knew him and he's like, man, he's special. He He's a, he's a, An LSU type guy in the middle. I mean, he'll take leadership right from the jump. Um, You know, he won't be afraid to call plays. So, I mean, honestly, guys, I I mean, this might be sound a little crazy, but I think he could be the difference between college football playoffs or not college football playoffs. That's how important I think he could be to this team. Uh, So, you know, what's your guys' thoughts on him?
1: Well, Mm -hmm. I I I think regardless of who regardless of who steps up to be the the middle linebacker, you know, I, I would I would hope it's him because. You know, we're moving wide receivers to play middle linebacker or right, play linebacker right. at this point. But um, <laughs> I think you know, th- th- with this switch to four three from the three four defense that Bo Polini's bringing in, you know, mm-hmm. the middle linebacker is a is, a, is an absolute uh, necessary right. You know, like that 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 scheme and in the three four, as I understand it, you know, it's those outside linebackers, the chase on position or the uh, divinity position that really you know make or breaks the the defense. But with when you move to a four or three, it's it's D tackles and it's uh and it's a middle linebacker who can who can you know make plays. So mm-hmm. you know I can totally see where you know it makes sense for him to want to come here because he you know he gets to play SEC football and he gets to that chance to really be a a leader and a a playmaker on a defense that needs needs something like that. And you know from our perspective, I I you know no disrespect to any of the people we have now because you know Baskerville is a is a highly touted guy and. Um, you know, we saw some good play from Damone Clark, uh, during the season, but, uh, it's it, like, if, if, like I said, if you're moving wide receivers to, to, to linebacker, it seems like the coaching staff, at least, you know, says we need to, we need to take a look at things.
3: Yeah. And yep. just to kind of elaborate on the, the link that he has to LSU. So uh he already announced that he's planning on taking a visit to LSU I think it's it's this week upcoming as well as yeah. uh incoming defensive coordinator Bo Polini when he was at Youngstown State they played against him uh against the North Coast State and then he's kind of sung his praises before so he's seen what he can do and knows that he can definitely make the plays and lead the defense so yeah like you said it'd be a huge pickup yeah he
0: would fill a yeah, big hole but I'm sorry well he would fill a big hole which we have but and like Tommy said it would prevent all these other guys from changing positions although i would love to see marcel brooks lining up as a linebacker uh but all i want to add is this is lsu had its first butkus award winner from a guy that switched positions to linebacker and that was uh Devin white so who knows we could find another uh butkus award winner but uh i just wanted to toss that out there
2: yeah yeah when you break down cox's that's a good point. That's a good point that when you break down his film and I, I took the opportunity, like I said, I've watched him a little bit, but I probably took a good hour or so and watched some of his film. Okay. So when, when you, when you really break it down, well, I think with, with the big selling point for him is guys that he's a lot like Patrick Queen in the fact that he can cover, he's long, he's lengthy, uh, but he played quarterback in high school and you talk about swapping positions. The game's go into such a different age than it was when I was younger and when I played it, it's, you know, the linebackers, you mentioned white, he was a running back. So was Patrick queen. He was a running back. You look at a guy like Cox who was a quarterback. I mean, these guys are athletes coming out of high school. That's really who you need playing linebacker. Now to match the speed is more of a, a trimmed down guy that almost looks like a running back, you know, and that's, I and mean, that's what queen did so much better than everybody else in the country. Basically was that he could cover guys, in the flat, he can cover guys out the backfield. And when you turn on the tape for Cox, he could cover. I was like, wow, he can catch cover skills. And granted, I know you need to come downhill and hit people and make plays and tackle people. And, you know, I did see all that. But I think the one aspect that sets him apart is he was able to cover linebackers. He was able to do those things that Patrick Queen could do that Jacob Phillips, Phillips could not. Phillips is not good at covering people out in the flat, but he's a downhill guy who's smacking him out, right? Jacob will, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but that's why queen has shot up the draft boards. He's proved against these elite teams that he can cover running backs. He can cover tight ends. Uh, so yeah, that's why we'll probably see queen go in the first round round, but yeah, just a little more peace on Cox. I think that's the big selling point for coach. O. you get a guy, you can plug and play right there. Not only can he come downhill and hitching him out. he can also, you know, cover those guys if, if need be.
1: Do you think what's what's your what's your barometer on whether or not we we pick him up or you know do you have any idea on that? Uh,
2: You know what I'll I'll get a little more info and we can do another pod or whatever and see how it's going. But man, just talking to a couple people that in that area and just talking, they they basically said he'd be I don't want to say he he, he's stupid, but he'd be dumb not to go to LSU. Like I mean, it's it it seems like that's the move, right? I mean, the Mm -hmm. first school he's going to visit is LSU. He knows Bo Pelini you know, I'm not saying anything to hundred percent. I mean, but I think it's, I think we got a really, really good shot. And I mean, he can come in and start, you know what I mean? And, and not take somebody's job necessarily. Like we need him. So he wouldn't feel bad about knocking a guy that's been there. I mean, they're all going to play Clark, you know, um, he'll come in and play. So that's, it's to me, it just sets up perfect. Tommy. I think it just sets up great for this kid. He can showcase his talents and you never know. Look at queen. Nobody was talking about him even being drafted. Now he's going to go in the first round. This is a good Mm -hmm. opportunity for him to maybe bump from the third round, from the second round. He might be able to get himself up into the first round if he, you know, if he can play some high-level football.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, um, you know, there's no bigger stage in college football than, than, you know, SEC football, LSU football, reigning national champions. You're going to get all the TV games as opposed to at North Dakota State where you might get one from, uh, you know, game day when they go, they're on their gimmick, their gimmick week or whatever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Gimmick week. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah.
3: So Josh, you had mentioned about Patrick Queen and Jacob Phillips in the draft. We discussed a little bit last week about kind of how people had moved up or down after the combine. Mm -hmm. Did uh, did you see anybody who really kind of made a big impression who you think is kind of climbing in the LSU ranks or or kind of sold themselves short a little bit? A lot of people are saying Justin Jefferson did himself a big favor with his 40 time.
2: Yeah, that's, you know, just I'll throw it out there now. I, I kind of, I'm a nerd about the whole draft and covering that's kind of my thing. Like, as far as I just love doing it, uh, and yeah, I took a lot of time, watched the whole combine, watched it a couple of times. And Justin Jefferson, it, I mean, when you watch what he was able to do and what he was able to put on film and, uh, yeah, that was big. I, I mean, I've seen a couple of mock drafts today, guys that had him at pick 15 pick, uh, and pick 17. You know, they had him kind of late first, maybe early second before the combine. So that was huge. And you're talking about, you know, that's the difference between five million and twenty million. So I mean that's that's a big jump for him. And I, I think we all knew you had that talent, but I'm glad he was able to go out there and out there and put the numbers up, especially with the forty. You seeing what he did with his, with the hands, you know, we knew he, he could do that. So man, that was that was good for Justin. I, I think he's the guy the top guy right now that is shooting up the board, Patrick Queen is as well. He was able to run a good forty. Uh, I think he's another guy that that put it on film, right? He put it on film, and not only put it on film, he, he went to the combine and showed that he's got that speed for the NFL. Uh, I think you probably end up seeing seeing him in the first round. Um, and some of the other guys, Joe, we know where he's probably going to go, number one, right? Um, but the one I really really like was. Uh, watching Clyde, you know, yeah. at the running back position. And that, and that was the one that every, even myself, I said that if, if he could run a sub four or five, he, he was going to go probably in the first round because then he had top end speed, but that's just not his game. And I kind of knew he wasn't going to do that. Well, I think he ran a four, six, one, um, but the lateral movement, and man, he was able to show that, you know, to a national audience on some of them drills and he was just kind of blown away. And, and I think everything I've seen and I've spoke with sources were like, he helped himself. I think we get locked in on the 40 too much. And they were like, no, no, no. Mark Ingram ran a four, six, six. You know what I mean? That's not his game, but yeah, I mean, teams fell in love with him. They said, he's so respectful. You know, he can interview so good, good kid, good family. And what they wanted to see was him being able to catch that lateral movement. And they, you know, he just, he just really showed out from talking to two different sources that NFL teams love them. And one source even told me, I, he really said, I, I would not, you know, it wouldn't shock me if a team went up late in the first round and loved them that much and grabbed them, but he's probably more of a, you know, early to mid second, you know, is, is what, mm-hmm. this, what my source said, but man, for him to even say that, it just showed you how much a lot, you know, where Clyde has come from last year. We we're all trying to put him on a bench, you know, so uh, you yeah. might you know he's a guy that's talking about second round and maybe even first if things go perfect, but I got him as more of a, a second round guy.
1: Yeah. I think, I think Clyde, you know, it's, it's really just a great story and you know, kind of just to, be able to watch him. And like you said, I mean, I was, I was one of the people I was, I was very skeptical going in, you know, I didn't think I was, I was eager to see the freshman because it's you know, the shiny new thing and yeah. Clyde after, you know, after no, no time at all became the guy, you know, the, he was, uh, you could see the absence of him in the Oklahoma game, even <laughs> though, you know, it was a lopsided, lopsided victory, but um, you know, you could tell when he wasn't on the field, they were missing a little bit. And uh, he had so many impactful moments. It, it is really good to see him succeed and to see that recognized at the next level. So I agree with you. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that he moves up the draft board. Yeah. I saw uh, a lot of little rumblings as well on different, you know, sources and diff- or not not sources like you have, but different websites <laughs> where right, right. that uh, that he, you know, he might, like you said, he might sneak into the first round just because people like him so much. And yeah, that you know, that's that's great to see. And it's also that's great to see that for for recruits coming in that you know you can you can uh, you can elevate yourself and maybe you know be a little bit higher, your, make your draft stock a little bit higher than your raw talent would would dictate just because of what you can what you can put on film and what you can do at LSU.
3: Yeah, especially when he was even a backup for most of his high school career to other NFL running back Darius Geis, also from LSU. Right it's pretty crazy to have two consecutive running backs from the same high school, make it to the NFL like that, but it's a really great story.
2: You know, I, I was telling you, you made a good point. Yeah. And that's, it that is kind of crazy with guys and the way it is that, you know, that's, that's program. They don't recruit there at that high school, right? I mean, they, they don't do that in high school like, in general. They fly him in for <laughs> <Right>. you. <years. laughs> <That's right. laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, yeah, it was just, it's been a great story. And, you know, you make a good point about, look how many guys LSU had at the combine, right? 16 guys. Mm-hmm. And I thought Brennan Fajoko, who was a starter most of the year, he should have he got an invite. But I guess it starts to become absurd when you have 16 guys there from one team, you know, and I guess a couple of people, you know, got left out. You look at a guy like Adrian McGee who started at left guard most of the season and probably had some of the highlight moments on the offensive line for LSU. Didn't get an invite. You go turn on the film, Adrian McGee can play in the NFL. Okay. So I'm not saying he's going to be a starter day one in the NFL, but he's an NFL guy that, you know, he, I could see him having and being in the league for five, six, seven years as a a backup guard. And maybe he gets a starting spot eventually. But, you know, I really thought LSU could have, that could have been, you know, 18, 19 guys there. Steven Sullivan, who, You know, you see what he did at the senior at the senior bowl and what he was able to do at the combine. He impressed um, with his uh, his length and his ability. But you make one good point real quick, Tommy, about when you win and you elevate your stock, because I think if LSU has a mediocre season, that Clyde's probably like a fourth round guy. Yeah. Okay. I think he's, you know, not saying that he he can still do the same things, but LSU loses three or four games. I think he's probably a third or fourth round guy. You know what I mean? And that's why I think, like you said, winning, getting the program to a good point, continuing to trend in, in the right direction. It really does help recruiting because you take guys who are an afterthought conda, who was a backup. When's Emory going to get in? And now, you know, it's a shot. He could go in the first round. So yeah, overall, it's just a great story.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's like you said, he, you know, if they had lost those games that would have had a different impression, but right. they didn't. And when Clyde was on that stage, he showed out. He ran through guys against Alabama, you know, in that game, he ran through guys against Clemson on the biggest stage. So I wouldn't be surprised either if someone snabbed him in the the late first or early second rounds. Um, but you know, as to what you're saying about a lot of guys not being invited, uh, there's a lot of guys that were invited that, you know, just really didn't choose to participate, um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, most, I guess most notably Joe, Joe Burrow, but you know, you know, everyone has their different reasons. They're hurt or, you know, Joe said he was just so busy with all this post-season stuff that he, he didn't really have time mm-hmm. to plan. So, um, you know, looking forward, LSU's pro day is, is around the corner. Do um, you think there's still a chance for these guys to improve their stock even more, or at least some of these guys that maybe were overlooked for the uh, the combine that and maybe improve their stock with a, a chance to shine on the on the home turf?
2: No, I, I, I think that when LSU's pro day here rolls around shortly, it's going to be an event, okay? I think, you know, now ESPN or maybe NFL Network actually w- it will be there for their pro day. Um, yeah, I think they can still improve their their draft stock for sure. Even a guy like Clyde, you know, there's going to be specific teams there, right there on the field. They're going to kind of want to see – they can kind of guide – um, the staff there of what they want to see from Clyde that day. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, so like a, you know, the combine, we're going to do it like this. So the pro day, they, they can flex a little bit and you, you guys probably heard the story with Sean Payton and Alvin Kamara, right? He wanted he to put his cleats on, and, you know, so, uh, that's kind of what the pro day can do for you too, is that, Hey, let's see Clyde in a couple of different routes and a couple of things that we do. Here in Cleveland or wherever. And so let's see what he's got. So um, I think that could, that could help certain guys, especially like Clyde, you know, and, and there was that Steven Sullivan, a guy looking at maybe going in what, the sixth or seventh round. Maybe somebody loves him and says, hey, we can use him like Jimmy Grant, grabs him in the fourth round, something like that. So I do think it can help these guys for sure. Delpit, um, when you look at Grant, he's going to go full at pro day. I think you could probably look at everybody on the board. The pro day is most important to him. He's kind of slipped down the board, which surprises me. Most people have him going, you know, late in the first. If you would have asked probably most of us in week one, who's going to get drafted the highest in this upcoming draft before the season ever kicked off, I would have told you Grant Delpit. Okay. So it it would probably been a top 10 pick. You know, I think he played, you know, extremely well, you know, last season. So uh, I think it could help him the most is this pro day. He runs a good time, show he's got good movement, the lateral movement. Because the question's about tackling. He was injured. I just, you know, somebody, if he ends up slipping to late in the first round, somebody's going to get a really, really good player late, late in the first round. I just think he's a top 15 talent, a top 20 talent. I mean, that's my opinion.
3: Right. And then I don't know if this is really by design or anything, but LSU has pretty much the last pro day out of any major school on April 3rd. And so I guess it kind of has the the double tipped effect of giving the guys who are a little bit dinged up, like some time to recover, Mm -hmm. maybe get on top of their a game as well as the fact that uh, it'll be the last guys that a lot of these pro scouts are seeing. So maybe if you make an impression there, they still be thinking about you going into the draft when they've already had to sit through like 20 something pro days in the past two weeks. And they're just kind of over it. They're ready for it to (laughs) kind of be done. Uh, But then you got the LSU guys kind of spicing it up
1: at the very end. So hopefully
3: that sort of thing does happen, but yeah, looking forward to that
1: well one i know we we're kind of running on time and i don't want to i don't i want to be respectful of your time josh uh but one question i had that you know it's kind of been i've, I've heard i was watching a lot of the combine and people were saying, mm-hmm. you know a lot of the analysts or whatever were saying how much do you think that the combine and the drills they do the 40 the, the all this kind of stuff how much does it actually matter and how much does it actually play out uh, you know is it doesn't people say like oh the 40 it doesn't even really matter um you know what? What do you? What do you? When you're looking at combine stuff, and I know you just said you know you're mm-hmm. kind of a, a nerd about uh, grading these kind of the drafts and doing mock drafts and everything. How? Yeah. Uh, what is it? What is your your thought on that?
2: I think you got to look at the combine. You know, a lot of people look at it. I think in the, the wrong way. I think how I look at it is. I love watching film, right? so the film the film told me one thing, okay. It told me that Clyde could move laterally, he could catch the football, um, he could do all those things. I just think the combine for me is kind of that last check that mm-hmm. I that I get to see it. I get to you know do an interview with him face to oh, face. okay, yeah, his personality is what everybody said it was. Um, his lateral movement through the drills me and my me and my team looked at it. Yep, he's got that lateral movement that we've seen on film. I think it's to, for me and how I look at it when you talk to a lot of guys in the league, in the NFL, how they look at it, I think it's that you know, they can kind of like, okay, we want to draft this guy. It's kind of a, a sigh of relief, like, yep, he's kind of everything that we thought he was, okay? Um, And I think the 40 does have value uh in a sense that if, if you're going to go get a guy in the first round and, and spend $30 million on him at whatever position, wide receiver safety. And he goes out there and runs a, a rough four, I mean, a rough 40 and just kind of, mm, you know, I, are we really going to spend $30 million on a guy at restaurant a four eight? I think it does hold value in that, in that sense that, it's that last check in the box to say, okay, are we going to do this? Are we really going to spend $30 million on this tight end or whoever that is? So that's kind of how I I look at it. It, It's able, it's a, it's a time for me to kind of take all that game film and say, okay, is it really what I thought it was on film? And I mean that as far as his personality, his speed, his lateral movement, how does he act during that week of the combine? When I talk to people, Hey, how, how was his personality off camera? You know, was he was he respectful, or was he the guy out at, at the bar every night drinking? So, you know, all that's being watched, every bit of it. A lot of guys don't realize that every single move from they walk in the door, how they, you know, how do they talk to their parents that are there? How do they talk to the other coaches that were there? It's all being watched. So that's, you know, I guess that that's my perspective on it.
0: Uh, one, one last question, if you don't mind, Josh, and it's actually mm-hmm. kind of re- related to what we were talking about. Uh, you know, with the, all these college players gearing up for the NFL draft. Um, But there, there is this, you know, this kind of nether region between college and, you know, playing in the NFL called the XFL. Oh boy. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) So we, we both, we all agree, you know, well, it's football and Mm -hmm. it's there and it's not interfering with in the other teams that we follow. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I kind of see it as like a, it's a spring training for the NFL but I just I was just curious if you uh, if you watched any of it or if you had any thoughts on on where its place
2: is. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, the first week I, I tuned into, I think, both the games uh, and it, it caught my interest a little bit. You know, I'm not going to lie. That I think the following week I watched a little bit. Um, I've seen some highlights, I think, this past weekend, uh, you know. It, it didn't hook me. Like I thought it was going to want to hook me. I'm just being honest, you know, from a consumer standpoint that it didn't really hook me and some of the play is rough. Uh-huh. It's some of it's, some of it's hard to watch at times. And it, I think kind of, that's why it's turned me away a little bit. I, <laughs> the talent level, I kind of compare it to like the stun belt. That's kind of what I looked at and people were asking me, Hey, what's the talent level? Where do you think it's at? I think it's kind of like the stun belt type, you know, talent there. Um, but I do like the fact that it it gives the guys another opportunity to put some film there. And you can, you know, so I I like that aspect. I just don't know if it's going to hang on. Um, It just, it can be kind of bland at times because you don't have those, you know, those as many exciting plays and, you know, athletes that we we love to see, you know, so yeah. And I'll catch it here and there, but I just being honest, it didn't hook me like I thought it would.
1: Yeah. You can, you can definitely tell there there's a huge drop off. Um, and you know, like the, I was watching one game, I think it was two weeks ago and Mm -hmm. the amount of, the amount of dropped passes and and like missed receive, you know, missed open receivers where the the quarterback just bounces the ball to them. When when you see that, you just kind of, you kind of don't want to, you just don't want to watch. Although uh, (laughs) there's a little bit, you know, there's right now they've got it at the perfect time where there's a little bit of a lull in, in, you know, really college basketball is the only thing that's that's matters right now um yeah so I hope they can get it squared away and you know I think that they'll they got to keep they've got enough money it seems like and the the ownership is it's you know one owner pretty much it's Vince McMahon or whatever so they won't have the uh the problem of, of a bunch of different owners wanting to get their you know make their money the way that the AAF did But um, I I think I I kind of agree with you. It it hasn't hooked me as much. I was excited about it. I I was, I was ready to watch and I I, I kind of forget, I forget that it's on and then I see a game. Oh, okay. I'll look at it. And then, you know, I turn on to something else.
2: Yeah. And like, look, I, I think yesterday when I seen some highlights of it, it was, I mean, it's, Man, I, I don't want to downplay it because I love the fact that guys get an opportunity, right? To, you know, if you get a second shot, or maybe you come from a small school. So I don't want to talk down on it. I think it's it's a great opportunity. I just think hopefully the play, as the league goes on, you know, and, and they get it squared away. Hopefully the the play it, it starts to elevate a little bit. It becomes more of like a minor league, you know, for the NFL. That would be that would be really cool because people. Some, I've had news people asking, hey, with LSU you think LSU could take any of these XFL teams, this team, like LSU would beat these teams by 50. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, we had 16 guys at the combine that are all going to get drafted and play in the NFL. Most of those XFL teams, I think had three or four guys that kind of played in the league and didn't really make it. So yeah, I think LSU throttles most of them, those, those teams out there. <laughs> what do you wait?
1: Uh, one, now that I'm thinking about it, and uh, what do you think about this? The Walker, uh, is it PJ Walker? from uh, mm-hmm. the Texas, the Houston team, you know, that he's yeah. kind of the phenom right now, of the XFL. Yep. Is he, is he actually, you know, is he somebody who you might see be get picked up by an NFL team? Or is it really just that he's a man among boys in this, in this kind of, you know?
2: Yeah. It's funny that you bring him up. Cause he was the reason I even uh, checked out the highlights. Cause um, I think he was on uh, NFL network or something. And I said, uh, you know, he's been kind of like you said, the MVP of the league. So, uh, you know, I remember in college, he was, he was solid, you know, so I turned it on and I do see if a guy like him, I think he ends up jumping onto an NFL team and competing for a, for a job. That's, that's why I like the league. I mean, I like the fact that it gives guys like that a second chance who was kind of an afterthought, you know, but now yeah. he's able to compete. And I think he could be, if you're watching there, you know, he's playing it's decent, you know, decent level. And he surely looks like he could be a lot, you know, play on a team. We've seen some of these backups in the NFL. He's second and third stringers pretty awful. So I, I think, it, you know, you're probably going to see him on a team this upcoming season.
1: Well, there, yeah, there you go. You heard it here first, PJ Walker, you know, coming coming to an NFL team near you, but, um, yeah, but again, we, we just want to thank you again for, for coming on. You know, we, we always appreciate this and have a great time. Um, you know, talking about everything. Cause we, we end up covering almost, you know, NFL XFL, LSU, NFL issues. It's, it all, it's right. all uh, it all gets covered, but um, yeah, let's, you know, thanks again and let's do it again soon.
2: No, I, I appreciate it guys. It's always fun when I, I come on and doing a little bit of covering a little bit of basketball and baseball, it was just, it's been a little tough, you know, it was just um, so it's been hard with that, but it looks like the baseball team might be turning around a little bit and let's hope the basketball team can get it going for LSU. But yeah, it was, I, I gotta say, I was just, extremely excited when spring ball kicked off because we had some football to talk about. So no, nah, I appreciate it guys. It's always fun to come on. Thank you, Josh.
0: Well, thank you. Like appreciate it. Have a good week. All right, guys. All right. Let's see. Let
3: me. All right. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks to Josh for coming on. I'm not sure if we
0: really have too much more, like you mentioned. Oh, there's, there's plenty. What are you talking about? We have baseball, we have <laughs> basketball. We just I could don't... probably, fill our listeners in though. Cause, um, I mean, it, not, not too much to report. It was just another, you know, so, so week for both, uh, basketball lost to Arkansas 99 to 90. Uh, I guess the thing about that was they were down by 23 and came back to get within five, but you know, just couldn't quite close it out. Um, I guess, you know, Arkansas is one of those bubble teams trying to, trying to make the dance and it was their senior night and we got their best effort and it was better than ours. Um, uh, but LSU senior night against Georgia was a complete opposite game. The Tigers blew out the Bulldogs, 94 to 64. Uh, they were, they're in control pretty much the whole game. And um, Anthony Edwards, who plays for Georgia is probably going to be, you know, the, the NBA's number one draft pick. And they, you know, they just, he, he was mostly a non-factor. So um LSU, they, they picked up some momentum heading into the tournament. They're a three seed, and they're not going to have to play until Friday. So uh, I think that's, that's good news for them. And at least they ended the game on a good note, which I think they needed. I think they needed some confidence before they headed into the SEC tournament
3: right that was a good momentum swing uh tommy's boy marlon taylor put up a, like 30 something points uh career high for him so yeah. glad he got to put on a show but they got that big double buy into the second round of the tournament so they'll they'll be playing saturday night i think uh or no friday night friday, think,
0: friday night. Eight,
3: yeah eight o'clock on friday against either vanderbilt arkansas or south carolina if i had to think about it i bet it's going to be arkansas coming through there they played pretty well they actually beat us the last time we played a couple weeks ago so that may be a bit of a a rumble but if we do win that game it's most likely auburn waiting for us on the other side so that'd be a big rematch of the the game that went to overtime uh, a little while ago so definitely tune into that i think the first game is going to be on uh, sec network for those listening out there
0: Mm -hmm. games in nashville uh, and really quickly, baseball, they, they had a really good week, uh, actually. They um, they had the, their midweek win, which was great. And then they went for the series sweep against UMass Lowell uh, this weekend. Uh, Tigers came out roaring, uh, winning the first game 11-2, to second game, I think 12-2. Um, third game, they actually had to come from behind to win, but they won 6-4 to four going for the sweep. A lot of good pitching, a lot of good hitting for the Tigers too. Obviously, you know they with those scores they they came out swinging. But uh, and I don't know if it's because it was against UMass of Lowell and not say you know Mississippi State, but that, you know it doesn't matter. It was it was good to see them have a sweep. I think they just needed to build some confidence, work out some kinks. Uh, a lot of guys looked good. Um, a lot of guys had big days. Gavin Dugas had two two home runs uh, yesterday uh, to actually help propel them to victory. So uh, baseball is picking up a good momentum swing right before SEC play starts. So that was good. Um, I don't know, Tommy, do you you have anything to add to any of those? I mean, I think that like we've said
1: before, um, one basketball, I I was happy to see them end out with a, with a, uh, with a win against Georgia on senior night. I, I, you know, and that was a pretty, pretty, you know, definitive win, kind of a SmackDown. Uh, yeah. like Daniel said, my, uh, my old classmate Marlon Taylor had a standout game on his you know last, last night at the PMAC. So congrats to him. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm eager to, you know, I think that right now I have, um, my expectations are not, uh, I'm going to go into this just, just to have fun, you know, let's go, Let's go win some games. Let's see how they can play. Let's get into tournament and uh, into the, the the big dance, the March Madness tournament, and see what they can do. But I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting a final four berth or something like that. So I think I'm just gonna try and watch it for fun. It's kind of mm-hmm. the same thing with baseball. You know, right now uh had some ups and downs, some, you know, and uh, let's let's just keep watching and keep uh and keep on them and and hopefully we can get it ironed out by the time you know the tournament comes and by the time omaha comes
3: yeah and then just to, to mention we've got one of our what i would consider the biggest series of the season coming up in baseball they play at Ole miss uh the three game stand old miss currently ranked number eight in the country uh, this weekend 13th 14th 15th wow. so we'll really see how we kind of stack up here we've played some kind of mediocre competition so far but Hopefully we don't get beat down by uh, the rebels when they got their their party patio decks out in the outfield slinging beer around whenever they hit home runs. <laughs> I don't know if y'all seen that or not. Oh yeah, but uh, it. uh, it's pretty wild. So uh, good luck to the Tigers there.
0: Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that though. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just different baseball down here. Uh, but we'll have uh, that news for you next week. Uh, just quick some quick notes for for uh, for Tiger football that we didn't get into uh, if we didn't mention it. Uh, Jamar Chase was named number seven going into next season. Mm -hmm. So he will look to carry on that legacy. Um, Hopefully, as we kind of talked about earlier, Miles Brennan will uh, be able to get him the ball like they did last year and just use this great talent so he can let the legacy of number seven flourish. Um, And also LSU named Kelvin Shepard, their former linebacker, that's been playing in the pros, mostly with the Buffalo Bills, they named him the director of player personnel, which they did because Kevin Falk used to have that position, but now he is the Tigers running back coach. And a lot of guys are really excited to see him in that role. Um, and we'll, I guess we'll wait to see what uh, you know, what Kelvin Shepard does as director of player personnel. But I think it's a good trend. You know, the guys that came through your program and excelled and excelled in the next level, you know, Kevin Fox got three Super Bowl rings to have them come back and first direct the players, but then coach the positions mm-hmm. at the school that they, you know, they got their start to the NFL. I think that's great. So uh, I- I'm excited to see this trend continue. Um, did you guys have any, uh, any final thoughts before we close out?
1: Yeah. You know, I like, I like that kind of hire. I like keeping it in the family and, and bringing back uh, LSU guys who've done it before and, and know the culture and know that, know the program, um, and I think it's just a, more of a testament to the fact that Cocho knows exactly what he's got here at LSU, and that he is uh, he's committed to continuing that tradition.
3: Yeah, and just on seven, congrats to Jamar Chase. I think he'll wear it well. Hopefully, it'll go a little bit better than the last time a wide receiver wore number seven. Uh, poor Daniel, Jonathan Giles didn't even be, get on his jersey in the
1: picture. <laughs> be, uh, come on, let's 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 be let's be nice to Jonathan. He was an honorable man. Who midseason said he could not? He did not. He was not living up to seven, and he took a different number. So
3: I do respect him for that. At least kind of he uh, should have been given eighteen it.
1: right at the spot
0: <laughs> for that honorable move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Jam- Although Jamar I think be it up. I think though, what if you know, if, if Joe, like, if if he had been number seven last year with Joe Burrow, who knows? That could have been a completely different situation, uh, and that could probably also be a completely different topic. You know, as far as what ifs, but. Uh, yeah, I felt bad for the guy, but I do respect him for, you know, saying like you said, he, he just said, I haven't lived up to it. So he wanted to change numbers. So, uh, good for him. And, uh, we don't expect the same to happen with Jamar chase. So, um, we'll, we'll look forward to that number seven next year. And, uh, Tune in next week, and we'll have some more Tiger news for you as baseball and basketball and everybody else rolls on. So have a good week, and tune in next time on Talking Tigs. And thanks to Josh Lemoyne again. And go Tigers!